I'm Olga Kraus Balzano, a senior manager at Peridan Healthcare Group. I am pleased to be joined for this episode by my colleague Deb Derain, who used to be a CFO and now is a senior manager at Peridan, and I'm very excited that she is joining us for today's conversation. We are going to talk about CFO perspective on turnover, on how do you know that you've taken care of everything that needs to be taken care of. But of course, before we start, we have a quick disclaimer. The content we discuss on this podcast is based on our professional experience advising healthcare providers, facilities, and other organizations engaging Barry Dunn for compliance and other services. While we may reference specific government programs, Medicare, Medicaid policies, CMS, and regulatory guidance, we do not speak for any government agency or contractor, nor do we have the authority to do so. Nothing in this podcast should be considered legal advice. Anyone seeking legal advice on this subject should consult their own attorney. And with that, Deb, welcome to this episode of Compliance Plus Ethics Equals Integrity podcast. We are very glad to have you with us today. And I'm wondering if you could start this conversation with you telling our listeners a little bit about your very rich background. Oh, thank you, Olga, for having me today. So it's a pleasure to be here with everyone. Um, I am Deb Durain. I'm Senior Manager at Barry Dunn in the Healthcare Practice Group. I specialize in hospital reimbursement consulting in particular. I have over 20 years of experience in healthcare finance, revenue cycle operations, and reimbursement as well. Before joining Barry Dunn a few years ago, I was the CFO of a critical access hospital in northern New England. I have a very hands-on, collaborative leadership style. I get down and dirty with my team. I like to really be in the trenches and understand what everyone's going through. I think that has really helped me bring a lot of value to the clients that I serve now as a very done consultant because I've I've been there and I understand the challenges that rural hospitals in particular are facing. And I really enjoy sharing my knowledge, my experience that I've had with my clients to help them optimize reimbursement, mitigate risk as well as improve operation. Um, I work with a variety of hospital provider types throughout the country actually, but uh, those who've worked with me closely know my passion is really for critical access hospitals and, and other rural hospitals whose teams often have to wear many hats and do a lot more with a lot less than some of the other provider types. Um, I'm an active member in HFMA, the Northern New England chapter of HFMA, and a member of the Education Committee. So those of you in the Northern New England area listening in, I'm sure you've seen me around and, and seen me on some HFMA um, education uh, sessions as well. I'm happy to be joining you today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Deb. So we are going to tap into your uh, experience as a former CFO. And I know how passionate you are about hospitals, but I think our today's conversation is truly relevant to any healthcare providers. Absolutely. Correct? Absolutely. So I know you work with so many clients and, um, beyond our clients you is through hfma you meet a lot of people in mm -hmm. uh, health leadership roles i wonder if you could share a little bit of your perspective of what's happening in the industry mm -hmm. uh, that 
healthcare leaders need to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a difficult time in the healthcare industry right now. There's so many challenges, but I think one of the ones that's most pervasive that I'm seeing in a lot of my my client base, as well as you know the circles of communication that I'm that I'm having with a lot of people in the industry, is is the workforce challenges that so many of us have have been hearing about. In particular, in healthcare finance, there's just been so much turnover. It's somewhat unprecedented. You know, typically in a lot of these or- institutions, the finance team has been fairly stable over the years. Uh, not so much lately. <laughs> in the last few years since COVID and the great resignation and remote workplace environments, uh, people are kind of picking their heads up and saying, hey, you know, I, I now have this nationwide opportunity to find um a job that I'm interested in and, and people are looking more, people are being pursued more and there's just been a lot more turnover, um, not just at the staff level and, and finance teams, but leadership as well. CFOs are retiring. So, uh, uh, you know, it's that's kind of rampant, particularly in the Northern New England area where, where I, I tend to have a little more connection because I, I live in Vermont and I like to be connected to my New England community. Um, yeah, a lot of CFOs are retiring folks um, underneath them are, are stepping up and a little apprehensive about the new the new responsibilities that they have and, and feeling like maybe they need a little additional support. I'm also seeing a lot of people from outside the healthcare industry joining joining healthcare for the first time. You know, former CFOs from another industry coming in and jumping into the healthcare space, which, you know, can be um, a pretty challenging transition or our industry comes with a lot of complication and a, a a lot of acronyms. We have our own language in this industry that can it kind of bars new people sometimes from from uh, understanding some of the challenges that we have because when we're communicating about it, we're not speaking English. <laughs> we're throwing out all these acronyms that are acronyms that are new, folks. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, I think, one of the most trying um, things I'm seeing. Uh, a lot of the healthcare providers that I communicate with, constant turnover, people feeling like they maybe aren't, they're just stepping up, filling in in an interim, uncomfortable with the new responsibilities that they have, wanting, striving to learn more um, and, and sort of needing that support in addition to just wearing so many hats because they're covering because they're short staffed and now they're doing, you know, three jobs and they used to do one. It's it's a challenge. It takes a special person to want to work in, in the industry these days. Those of us like myself who are crazy enough to, to want to do it. So it can be very rewarding. It's ever changing, never a dull moment, always an opportunity to learn something new and to hopefully these, hopefully folks who are new to it are, are seeing these challenges, not as obstacles, but as, as opportunities to improve and grow. Well, that's, that's a great uh, time to think about best practices so that you may be seeing that organizations are taking um, steps to support the new workforce yeah. in this critical healthcare finance leadership roles um, and maybe not just healthcare finance but uh, support services too um, mm. all Absolutely. the way through revenue cycle so you mentioned that um, we experience inflow of leaders from outside of healthcare industry into healthcare industry. 
uh, you mentioned promotions from lower level positions into more uh, higher level leadership finance positions, such as from controller to CFO, uh, which is a significant change. Or mm -hmm. um, you also mentioned loss of organizational history with some um, employees retiring. And um, also you mentioned um, remote work and uh, having redefined or reinvented processes of so how how we do things all those challenges are huge and um, i wonder if you see some good best practices or some tips that you can suggest on how providers are dealing with that how do they set somebody up for success what can we do as healthcare consultants to support people in these roles yeah um I think there's the normal things that folks can do in terms of, you know, making sure that you're, you have really solid policy and procedure write-ups, you know, that it can take time to actually work on building that sort of educational and training infrastructure within your organization. But that is super, super important and often undervalued when you have turnover and, and you have some of that institutional knowledge written up in your policy and procedures and your sort of SOPs that you have for the organization, that can be really important. Make time to put those things together. It can be difficult when you're feeling overwhelmed to, to prioritize it, but it's really a top priority. It should be a top priority. You know, schedule out working at, on it a little here, a little there, make just some little progress. Involve other people in doing it. You know, um, say in a, a revenue cycle team, you have a senior biller, they can write up policies and procedures as well. They can write up descriptions of how the systems are working and um, to help with that uh, training of new folks. So those are some of the simple things that people can do that I say are simple, but they're time consuming, um, but, but they can be done and should be done and, and prioritized within your organization. Another thing that I think is, is probably even more valuable is really focusing heavily on strengthening your open communication within your organization, inside and outside of your organization, making sure that you're taking down silos and that different departments are talking to each other. That is invaluable. You learn so much by simply communicating more with each other and finding out more about each other's roles and responsibilities and the way something works over in a particular you know, department of your institution and then how that impacts you over in your department. Um, it is those opportunities are invaluable education and not just education, but team building. Team building is very important, especially if you're new to the industry and you're really struggling to learn. It's a lot. It really is a lot. Um, the more you actually schedule time to be intentional about going through your organization and getting to know everybody there, buddy, but you know, each area um, and, and continuing it, not just a one-time conversation, but really having, making sure that your success hinges on their success and that you guys are all on the same team and you're communicating together and sharing knowledge with each other, I think is vital. Open communication. Um, and I like um, how you <laughs> emphasize that it needs to be intentional. That intentional. <laughs> you get too busy. You you know? focus you, on it. Yeah, yeah. It can be yeah. hard when you're new and you're mm -hmm. learning so much, but carve out one hour a week 
and make it, you know, buddy system time. It's time to go get to know someone over in radiology, or it's time to get to know someone up on a nursing floor and find out what their life is like. Um, that's, that's really important and, and very, can really help propel not only your own learning, um, the learning of your team as a leader, you should be encouraging this among your team uh, for them to get out and connect and, and it just boosts the whole organization and, and ability to get things done, to solve problems, to understand root cause um, and, and really propel your organization for success. But sometimes we, you know, we, we find these challenges or problems and really the solution really all about communication. It's all about making sure that you're, you're really connected and, and um, with others in the organization that everybody really understands what their responsibilities are and what it impacts the why is important. So that's sort of inside the organization, but then externally, I think it's also really important for any professional in the industry, regardless of whether you're on a finance team or compliance team or nursing leadership, for you to uh, get out and really have strong participation within your industry-specific associations in your community. Um, I think those are really valuable experiences to have. That One more thing, is. Olga. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you right now yes. because there okay. are people who are going to say, "What organizations? Where, where do I go?" So oh, yeah. when you are talking about this uh, external organizations, what, what associations are you thinking that were helpful to you as a CFO? Yeah. Well, for me, my relationships within the uh, HFMA were were very valuable. Um, in addition to HFMA, I think, you know, wherever you go in the country, you're likely to find a pretty active chapter. I think it's a, it's a really strong association for a wide variety of provider types. Um, I tend to focus on hospitals for hospitals in particular. It's a, it's a great organization. Um, some other associations for say revenue cycle folks would be AHAM and NAHAM. Those, they have some active participation as well. And some um, really good networking opportunities. It's really more important that you find whatever works for you or what's comfortable for you and your industry. I don't know enough about, you know, on the clinical side, what opportunities there are for those types of associations, but I know they're out there. Um, but it's, it's finding your people that you're comfortable communicating with and that you can connect with. And that might be an HFMA that, that might be, you cold calling some other similar organization and sparking a new relationship, taking, taking out the you know, CFO from a nearby hospital out to lunch and, and really making sure that you're um, connecting as a community as well. And, you know, your, your consultants, your trusted advisors, your auditors, um, those are important relationships to be sure you're communicating with as well. Controllers, CFOs, you know, typically have very strong relationships with their with their auditors and, and your audit firm typically has, you know, access like particularly for Barry Dunn, right? We have a, a really wide array of services within the healthcare industry spectrum. You have a question, it's almost guaranteed we've got someone that knows the answer here at the firm. It's good for you to, you know, explore that and ensure that you have, you know, a mentoring type relationship. I is how I see it with your advisors at Barry Dunn. I, I think that that's, something that can help propel 
you and your knowledge and kind of give you a, a safe space to ask some questions that don't come with any political string, which, you know, can be a real factor when you're working in the, in the healthcare setting. Sometimes you have to be careful about how you say what you're trying to say, what you're implying. Um, and so sometimes it's helpful to talk it out with another another professional in the industry, someone that you trust, like like your consultant at Very Done. I do that so, with a lot of my clients. Yeah. I sometimes feel like I'm, I'm a psychologist. <laughs> so it sounds like when in doubt, as like some some people say, I don't even know what I don't know. Right. And in in this situation, it sounds yeah. like a connection, uh, maybe regularly scheduled periodic meetings with a trusted advisor is one of the techniques to deal with. Yes. How do how do you learn about what you do not know? Uncovering those blind spots. Absolutely. Right. In a mentoring ship type relationship, you know, it's something that you do you do regularly. Doesn't even always have an agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, so a place where you can ask questions and almost water cooler talk is, is kind of important to these relationships because again, like you're suggesting, you don't know what you don't know. And 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 sometimes you learn so much out of these conversations that you don't even don't even know you wanted to know. <laughs> it can be really valuable. Yeah. 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 All right. So you said policies and procedures first, yeah. which is a foundation for any organization. So policies and procedures. Uh, you mentioned networking, learning uh, about the team, talking to all departments within your organization. You mentioned participation in associations like peer network and identifying people in similar roles in other organizations. Um, you mentioned uh, trusted advisor connection, check-in meetings. Anything else you can think of to have a successful experience and uncovering those blind spots and building expertise in the position you are now in and also in the industry you're in. Yeah, I guess I would say to be open and prioritize education, asking questions. Don't assume you know the answer. Ask a lot of questions. I think is really important. It's okay that you don't know the answer. I think particularly in, in some of the, the higher leadership roles, folks come in, you know, already in a C-suite level role, has a wealth of experience and a lot to offer an organization, walk into a new industry such as healthcare and find themselves with a lot to learn. Um, be open to that. Don't assume you know. And and help everyone around you see it as an opportunity that you don't know and that you're asking questions because there's a lot of things in the healthcare industry that should change, that need to change. Um, and sometimes that happens by asking questions and shaking things up. It's a, it's a challenge, but it's also, you know, a, a incredible opportunity bringing someone in from outside the industry and, and taking that opportunity to have them have an impact on your organization and see things from a different perspective. So it's everybody to keep an open mind and really prioritize open communication and education. You know, that that sounds like a really great success strategy or steps uh, within the strategy. Um, 
as we are wrapping uh, up our discussion today, could you help me summarize some key success points that we discussed today? Like, as a former CFO, maybe three things that absolutely have to be part of successful uh, yeah. career growth in, in yeah. a new position. Number one, communication, communication, communication with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> with everybody, including your consultant, including your auditors, including your um, network of peers that, that you that you build that network with. It's really all about continuing that open dialogue with everybody in and outside your organization. And um, that's, that's part where you said pivotal. it's intentional communication, intentional. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really prioritizing within your organization that educational infrastructure, making sure that your teams are talking, you're prioritizing training, those policies and procedures, those kind of kind of work that I'm telling you, I've been there. People don't like doing it. It's not, it, it's, it feels like this surmountable mountain to really get it all in writing, but it's very important. It should be prioritized. That has to come kind of from the top down typically to make sure that, that your team has the time for, to prioritize doing that type of work. Um, so that, that's kind of the foundational aspect. But I think the third thing is really Ha finding that trusted advisor that you can lean on and have that mentoring relationship with and, and continue that relationship long-term, I think is really important to anyone's success. You know, like this, I said, very done. Like I said, very done. I, I am really excited that we had this conversation because I think that, um, insights that you offered are really uh, applicable, not just to CFO positions, but really truly to um, anybody within healthcare, uh, regardless of the setting, whether it's hospital or nursing facility or HQFC mm -hmm. or physician practice, it's really pretty universal approaches, I would say. I would really want to thank you, Deb, for participation in this episode of our podcast. And um, as we reach the conclusion of today's discussion, I want to thank our listeners for uh, participating in this episode with us. And I want to welcome everybody's feedback on this uh, podcast episode. And also, um, we would like to hear your ideas on future. Uh, topics for discussion again thank you deb oh, and thank you thank you, thank you to all our listeners <laughs>